0: Please join me in prayer. Loving God, we join Jesus and the disciples on the lake, listening for your word, asking for the grace that the words of our mouths and the meditations of all our hearts may be truly acceptable in your sight. O God, our rock and our Redeemer. And let the people say, Amen. Then Jesus said to Simon, Peter, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. When they brought their boats to the shore, they left everything and followed him. Many of you know that we're in the process of a new members class. We've been doing this process a little bit differently. We start with a tour of the building so you can know about what goes on in each room. And then last week we had a session in which we got to hear some classic questions we always ask. What brought you here? What keeps you here? And what do you hope to give and receive in this place? And then we shared some nuts and bolts about our church and our denominations. And today we'll have another gathering where we will hear from some of those same people and any of you who want to come, some of our faith stories, what brought us spiritually to this moment in our lives. I'm aware that there is a church in New York City that invites you to become a new member in this way. Each Sunday they give an invitation to come and join the movement. Just sign up. And later, we'll teach you everything you need to know. In fact, you can do this on their website and join the movement just with a few little inputs and a click. It doesn't even necessarily that you ever came to church, or perhaps you only church, visited church virtually. This church, Middle Collegiate, down in the East Village, has caught into, onto one of the trends of our times, which is that younger generations coming up are less inclined to join entrenched institutions and more likely to be inspired by to get caught up with joining a movement, something that has sort of an onwards-sweeping and hopefully dynamic flow to it. And when you hear the word movement in this context, you may think of some of the great movements that we know about, the revolutionary movement of colonial times to take away from the monarchy of Great Britain or the abolitionist and underground railway movements during the Civil War and leading up to it. You may think of the suffrage movement that brought the vote for women in this country in the 19, in 1920, or the right to life and pro-choice movements, the civil rights and the neoconservative movements, the Occupy Wall Street and the Tea Party movements. And as we see in the ramp up to 2020, there's lots of new movements of campaigns starting up, and you know what it's like. You do what they do at Middle Collegiate. You go to their website and check them out, and if you are careless enough to enter your email address, you will get continual emails in your inbox over and over and over again. We had a seminarian last year, and actually a good friend of mine who signed up for a presidential campaign, picked up stakes like the disciples and moved to another place to do field organizing in North Carolina, leaving behind all that they had known and wondering what it'd be like when they came back to it. The characteristics of a movement are that it is fluid, It is forward-moving. It is aimed at some sort of goal of cultural or political shift. And good movements have strategy. They have timelines, and they have processes for getting things done. The question is, why would any of us join a movement? Well, normally it's because we believe it is something relevant. We believe it's worth giving our time and our money and our energy to it. We believe that it may change our lives may take us on an adventure like pulling up stakes and going somewhere we've never gone before. That it will enhance our meaning in living life. We believe also that it may change other people's lives for the better. In fact, this may be a more compelling goal. Hopefully even change the culture around us. Move the dial a little farther on certain issues we care about. Certainly some of the movements I named did just that. And we may join a movement because we're standing up to some sort of injustice, something wrong and flawed in this world, and we want to be a part of changing it. Now, for the past few Sundays, as we've been reading these gospel passages that reveal the early ministry of Jesus Christ, we've been talking about this as a movement, the movement of Jesus and what he was teaching And you and I all know that this forward flow of this movement that's been going on for 2,000 years has gotten bogged down at times. And little pools and eddies and churches and denominations and institutions all over the world. That's why we've had things like the Reformation. That's why in this country, with our freedom of religion, we've had it split and bifurcate into all sorts of little rivulets and streamlets of thought sometimes losing the full force that maybe the movement had when it first started out. The thing that says at Middle Collegiate when you sign on to this movement is Middle Church is a welcoming, artistic, inclusive, and bold community that proclaims love, period. That's our guiding ethic. The best way to share and learn about What we're doing for racial, LGBTQIA+, gender, and economic justice is by joining us. Middle members participate in our dynamic worship celebrations every Sunday, both online and in person. We advocate for justice at our nation's capital, in Puerto Rico, and on the borders. We care for each other by feeding the hungry and visiting those who are sick and alone. And we nurture growth at every season of life, and encourage deeper community and connections in an often lonely world. When I read this, it doesn't sound too far from how I experience and describe our community. As with any church, there are ways we can live more boldly and creatively into this kind of mission, this kind of forward-moving movement. And what we're doing, of course, what Middle says they're doing, and what I think we're trying to do here, is to make sure that our church's mission statements align closely with what we heard last week that Jesus preached when he went home to Nazareth. Mainly that passage from Isaiah that our job is to bind up the broken, to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, and recovery of sight to those who are blind or even just those who've lost their vision to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, to set the oppressed free. Like a lot of political campaigns, there's a sense of join now and ask questions later. We'll give you the information you need to keep going. I wonder if we set it up this way a little more explicitly. Join our movement now, and then we'll talk more about what it means to love God with all your heart, your soul, and mind, and the things that God loves, the poor oppressed, the brokenhearted, the prisoners, the blind, the lame, the sick, those who've lost their vision. And we'll offer you classes in how to love your neighbor as yourself. We'll give you courses on how to forgive better. Courses on how to be really effective at changing hearts and minds from hate to love, from fear to courage, from injustice to justice. Classes on what it Means to advocate and change public policy so that we can see this ethic of love and compassion and justice manifest around us. Sort of like a Zen dojo in which you get to train and practice your art inside these walls in very explicit, targeted, and focused ways. Now, if you listen to Luke's version of how Jesus started recruiting for his movement, the calling of the disciples. What does he find? He finds a group of fishermen who are discouraged, discouraged that things have not gone the way they had hoped to or how they needed them to go, going out to work, coming back empty, most likely poor without many possessions, wondering if they could ever get ahead in this great overarching oppressive boot that is the Roman Empire. And what does he show them? He he shows them a little bit about patience about getting your timing right, about trying things in a new way, going to the other side of the boat and keeping your eyes and your ears open always for this new approach, these new possibilities. And then he says this thing about, I'm going to teach you now how to catch people, to get a hold of their minds and to change their hearts. It's happening all around us all the time, this catching of minds and hearts. You only need to look at your social media accounts or your email inboxes to see how many people are trying to catch your minds and your hearts, all the ads that pop up on the websites you visit. But when it comes to this movement, the Christian movement, we are decidedly uncomfortable, many of us, about trying to catch people. And there's some very good reasons for this. I've told you before that when I first came to New England in my 20s and I was trying to find a way to live my Christianity off, off, authentically, someone told me, if you talk too much about church or Christianity, people will think you're not very smart around here. Does that sound familiar? We live in a region of the country with a greater skepticism about organized religion, even some hostility toward it. We're not the only region of the country that's like that. And over the last hundred years, we've seen an increasing secularization of our country. And I think most people, even some of us, come by that skepticism and hostility quite honestly. Because perhaps we've been in church where it harmed us by, in one way or another, perhaps by giving us the message that we were not okay the way that God made us. Or we may have found it irrelevant to our everyday lives that It lacked some of that live-out-loud passion that you find in other movements or even simply on the soccer field or in downhill skiing or a music ensemble or some sort of social club. Church just didn't have that spark or passion. Or perhaps we found that church was about believing ten impossible things, ancient ideas that just don't jive with our modern rational understanding of the world around us or perhaps just not having the tools to engage with that language and those, those stories and how they align with our world today. Or we may have found that the church was resistant or even uninterested in the kinds of spiritual questions we were asking. And as we got to know other people, people who had other ways of following cultural norms and religious practices, we became distinctly uncomfortable with any sort of Christianity that claimed it was the superior pathway to God, what is known as Christian triumphalism, or the idea that Christianity triumphs all other religions. And some people come by these prejudices not so much from their firsthand experience, but just their perceptions of what church is about. These are all ways that this Christian movement gets bogged down in the eddies and pools and log jams of institutional religion. But I think we can change those perceptions if we're a little courageous, if we step out of our comfort zones a little bit more, if, as Jesus told us, do not be afraid. You know, there are people right outside our doors who need and want to be a part of a movement of grace and belonging. They desperately need love and forgiveness. They want to be part of something that's about justice and compassion. And you know this because you used to be one of them. In fact, all of us, whether explicitly or implicitly, that's why we stepped in these doors for the first time. Because we needed some of that in a community that reinforced those kind of values. So I would like for us to continue to think about what it means to share this kind of word, this kind of hope in more effective, in braver, happier, and joyful ways. Now, there is that scary word which has been reintroduced in some parts of progressive Christianity called evangelism. And some of you want to scream at that word. I tell you it's the ancient Greek for marketing. (laughs) At its heart, the word evangelism is not about coercing people. It's not about proselytizing. It's not about telling them that you have the best way possible for them. Evangelizing at the heart means sharing good news. And perhaps you and I need to think a little bit differently of what it means to catch people with a a softer lens, not so predatory about a catch of fish that you're going to consume or about overloaded nets that sink the boats by their weight but really getting clear about the good things, the good news we find in a place like this, how we get caught up in a movement of grace and love and justice. I hear it all the time from you in our offering invitations last week when we talked about the sermons that we would preach. In all of our discussions around this church, I hear what this community does for people, how it transforms and changes lives. And I wonder just what it means for us to claim that a little more boldly a little more seriously, with a little more passion. If you found a good restaurant, a good gym, a good book, a good social club, most likely you wouldn't keep it to yourself. You'd talk about it. And word of mouth is still one of the most effective ways to spread the good news about anything. So I wonder what it means for us to tell someone, anyone, a good friend, a colleague, a person on the bus, something good that happened to us in church. It could sort of go this way. You know, I heard something interesting the other day that has kept me thinking about, I don't know, forgiveness. Oh, really? Where would you hear that? Well, I I heard it in church. You go to church? Yeah, I do. Are you surprised? Well, yeah, kind of I'm surprised. Why is that? Well, because you seem so smart. Well, thank you. And also, you know, I've heard some of the things you say about politics, and it's not what I identify with Christians I hear about in the news. Well, yeah, I go to church. Why is that? For some centering, for some community, for some like-minded conversation. Huh, I never knew that about you. Well, what's your perception of church? And on the conversation could go, but just to open up the door slightly to a little bit of what you get in this place. Perhaps it's about the music or the justice efforts. And you don't need to think about it in terms of catching people, but maybe just spreading a little bit of that good news around, spreading it out there a little bit more because people need it. Learning to be invitational. Now next week you have a perfect opportunity this week to try one of these conversations because our children and youth are going to lead us in their annual worship service and they're going to talk about what it means in our faith in this Christian movement about how we treat refugees and immigrants, people with food insecurities, and the homeless. If you were here last year, you know how powerful this message can be because it says something about what we're teaching and inculcating in the youngest among us. So I would challenge you to find one, two, more people you can talk about this with. Just try it. Put, your step, put a step out there and see what inspiration you might have to put your net out a little bit further, a little bit more deeply, into conversations of substance and engagement and good news. Because you never know how one bit of good news will catch the mind, the heart, and the imagination of the soul of someone who just really needs to hear it in ways that they may not even know they need to hear it, but to remind them that they're not alone And that it's possible to have a fuller, more abundant, more loving life. This is what we need to not be afraid about. This is our charge as people who try to continue in this movement of Jesus of Nazareth. Amen.